Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachet Ketubot, daf nun vav, page 56. So the top of page 56 continues this discussion that, Yardena, you actually spoke about extensively, um, about this umdana, this, or umdana, um, depending, I guess, how you pronounce Aramaic. Um, the, the question of assessing one's intent and how that's going to play out in terms of, you know, what is a man obligated to pay in his tuba at what point this came up in the, again, just in the discussion of whether uh, all of those terms that we were discussing in terms of paying out of the ketubah kick in from the time of a of betrothal or only after actually actual marriage Nisuin has taken place. So the Gemara goes, picks up on there, continues from here, because the daf is really a rolling scroll, right? It's not really changing from one page to the next in terms of in terms of the ongoing nature of the discussion. So the question is, you know, how how are we figuring out that this was the opinion of Rebbe Lezer Ben-Azariah? Manda Amar Halacha, I mean, to say that this opinion, that this halacha is in accord with the opinion of Rebbe Lezer Ben-Azariah, that whole opinion works out, again, talking about um, this umdana, this assessing of intent. Shapir, manda amar ein halacha. But if you say that this halacha is not in accordance with Rebbe Lezer Azariah, well, hachanami umdan datahu. It is, in fact, an assessment of his intent. Mishum ikuve datahu vaha ikara va lai data. It's because of, the, then the question is, you know, if he's not supposed to, if he doesn't, if he's not obligated to pay, then the question is, um, why would you even put that extra? Right, we were talking about adding into the into the ketuba. He's going to add some money beyond the bare minimum, the baseline, you know, presumably. And then the gemara here says it's because there was some sense of intimacy between them, right? From the time that they're betrothed, they're planning on getting married. So then his his intent is shown in this, you know, this idea that they have this feeling of, of intimacy between them. Ikrava le data. That's from Karo, from closeness, right? That's the intimacy. Yativ Rav Chanina excuse me. Yativ Rav Chanina Kamid Rav Yanai. Rav Chanina came before Rav Yanai and said, Bakabar, Halacha Rekkeribelazar Ben so he says straight out, he says, you know, rather than use your thumbs to figure it out, if it like if it's like Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah, he, Rev Hanina says it, you know, explicitly. Amar leh, and Rev Yanai says to him, Puk kre krach levara, go out, meaning like, get out of here, go out and read your verses outside. What does it mean, go out and read your verses, your psukim Torah verses outside? Rebbe Hanina was known for the way he taught interpretation of biblical text so meaning that was his area of expertise as opposed to saying oh yes you're here in the halachic discussion welcome meaning you go do your darshaning of of torah or tanakh right of the biblical text and don't lie don't attempt to engage in the discussion of halacha because according to rav yanai what he's saying is incorrect and it should not and therefore don't even bother saying it take you take your you know your misguided views outside. I always love when uh, when Chazal talk about Chazal in terms of things like their levels of expertise. Meaning, if we ever need a uh, proof 
that this is not a monolith, right? That there's no one voice in the Gemara. It's exactly here. Uh, so <laughs> basically, his point is, according to Rabbi and the halacha is not actually in accord with Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah in this case. Meaning, you want to say that it lines up with his views, it's one thing to, to try to figure out which who holds what. But then in terms of saying, paskening, that this is actually how we have to paskin, he says that's not how it works. Not not in this case. It's not Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's view that is being upheld. I'm Rav Yitzchak Baravdimi, Mishum Rabbeinu, Halachic Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Except for that, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Avdimi also says that the halach is in accord with Rabbi Yitzchak ben Azariah. Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Shmuel, halachic Rabbi Yitzchak ben Azariah. Meaning, Rabbi Chanina might really have an expertise in biblical text as opposed to halacha, and Rabbi Yanai might boot him out because that is his expertise and he shouldn't engage or, or you know, presume. He shouldn't deign to presume about halacha. But in this case, the halachists also are lining up the halacha. They all say they're poskating like Rebbe Lezabit Nazariah. Rav Nachman didei amar ein halacha k'Rebbe Lezabit Nazariah. Except for that Rav Nachman, who said, so Rav Nachman said that Shmuel said that the halacha was like Rebbe Lezabit Nazariah, and Rav Nachman himself said it's not. Nahardei mishmed Rav Nachman amre halacha k'Rebbe Lezabit Nazariah, but the sages of Naharda said in the name of Rav Nachman that the halacha is like Rebbe Lezabit Nazariah. So now we have Rabbi Nach, Rav Nachman against Rav Nachman, meaning in one place he says yes, in another place he says no. Va'af al gav the delat Rav Nachman va'amar kol daina d'dein du kribel ze benazaria hachi hachi va'hachi afilu hachi halachik kribel ze benazaria. So even though it's really such such vivid text here, Rav Nachman curses him. He curses him and says anybody who rules in accord with the Rebbe ben Azariah doesn't such meaning doesn't such bad things. bad things are going to happen to you to to such a person. Um, even so, the halacha is still in accord with the opinion of Rebbe ben Azariah. Meaning, Rebbe Nachman doesn't want it to work out that way, but somehow it still does. Now the Gemara comes, meaning this is like a, a cap kind of closing statement that isn't in, in the actual weeds of the discussion. In fact, they do pask in this way, and that is how you deal with you know the Tosafot in the Ketubah. I, the back and forth here I find to be just astounding. And I don't know why they don't want to pask in like Rebbe meaning those who don't seem to go out on a limb to say, not like him, but... I, but they haven't given an explanation as to why not. Yeah, they really, really, really don't like this opinion. I mean, we've seen other discussions where they say like, oh, we're not going to pass in like this person, but they seem to be stuck on that point here. Look, Rabbi Elazar Menazari is an important Tana. You know, remember, he was the Nasi for a period of time. And, you know, it must have been somewhat unusual that you weren't following him. Um, or... You know, maybe it's that this opinion sort of did make sense, and so people sort of push back to that idea. Yeah, or they, you know, the question of should she get the Tosafot or should they not, or should she not, seems to be like a logic dictates one way, but logic also dictates the other way, so it becomes more tricky to to really, I don't know, to uphold an opinion that's not this main, you know, main stronger view. Right. 
Right, exactly. Um, okay, so I'm actually going to do the continuation of this, um, where, again, this is a great example of where the Gemara wants to pinpoint something down to, like, the exact moment. Like, they're not willing to just say, like, oh, and if it's just Erosin, you know, the halacha's one way, right? That you would just, if you got divorced after Erosin, you get the main sum, but not the additional sum. Um, they really now get into the nitty gritty of a bunch of different scenarios by Ravin. So Ravin asks the following question. So Ravin says, okay, let's say they get to the second part of the wedding ceremony, right? So they did Erosin, they did the betrothal part. They get to the second part and they get to the chuppah, right? But what happens they, she becomes widowed or divorced, right, before they actually consummate the marriage itself. And he words is very interesting. Does the chibat chupa, right, which in English would basically be the affection of the wedding, right? In other words, because you made it there, and again, I think the fact that he talks about an emotion here, right, the affection of the wedding, but this goes back to this question of like intention, right? That in other words, you made it to the chuppah, he's going to want with this additional sum as well, right? Or is it only the affection that takes place with the consummation of the actual marriage itself? And so the Gemara has this, well, Robin, at least with his question, has this amazing ability to sort of pinpoint this very gray area, right? What happens between the time of the chuppah versus the consummation of the marriage it's, is essentially the physical expression of the actual union of these two uh, people together, right? Of the marriage itself. So Toshma, so what, how do they try to tell this? Ditani Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef taught, Shalokatabla Ella Al Chibat Laila Harishon, right? He wrote, wrote in a, in a brisa that he wrote the additional sum only for having this chibat laila, for the affection of the first night, okay? So this would seem to apply, right, when the marriage is actually consummated. So if you wanted to say that it's enough to just have the chibat chupa, then why would he say, right, then uh, then why, you know, then why did he say, you know, um, Oh, so sorry. So this is why it says the first night. In other words, because the wedding ceremony is done only at night. But if you were to say that it has to be when the marriage is actually consummated, right? Why do you say that it's just the consummation of the first night? Right? There's, there's, they're going to consummate that that you know sexual relationship is going to take place afterwards. So according to this brisa, it seems to imply that it's just the chuppah itself. It's not the actual consummation because we know that the consummation of the marriage doesn't only take place on the Lila Rishon. And this euphemism of the Lila Rishon is just talking about that the chuppah takes place at night. All right, the Elamai chuppah. But the Gemara rejects that and says, right, um, you know, why would you say that it's the chuppah? Chuppah belela ite, right? Is their wedding only that takes place at night? Be a mama lete and never takes place basically during the day. Ulata mech, right? And so the Gemara basically says, according to this reasoning, be a balela ite, be a mama lete, right? The Gemara says, right, but according to your reasoning, right? 
we say that really that consummation should only take place at night and not during the day, right? And is that really true, right? Didn't Rabbi say, right, that even though usually we say that a sexual relation should not take place during the day, that if it's in a dark house during the day, it would be allowed. So we say this isn't really a difficulty. Right? It, it's teaching us the normal mode of behavior, what normally regularly happens to be a Belilah, right? That normally, you know, uh, sexual relations take place at night. Okay, so then it goes on to say that this, you know, that that this, you know, you know, using this expression of saying chupa is difficult because again, the chupa doesn't have to take place at night. So Rav Yosef is still, we can't necessarily use this as a proof. Chupa nami lokasha, right? So then we say again, this is not a difficulty. Kevan distam chupa lebiya kaima orach arya kamashman lan divalila. No, what we're saying is, is that a wedding, right, we're referring to a wedding without any type of specification, right, basically just means a wedding uh, that's going to lead uh, directly to, you know, the consummation of the marriage. And so it just uses the regular way that these things normally take place, which is at night. So we can't really use this bracer for a proof of anything because the idea is that Rav Yosef, by using this language of, of Lila, is just talking about the way that things normally happen, but it can't really be a proof for anything. All right, so by Ravashi. So then Ravashi asks a similar question to Ravin. And so again, they don't really resolve Ravin's question. And Ravashi even comes up with a better question to ask it. Let's say they make it to the chuppah and she begins menstruating, right? So in other words, there was not even a possibility for them to consummate this marriage itself. So what happens? Right? So if you want to say that the just the affection of the chupa itself, right? Does this refer to this type of wedding, right? To where, uh, you know, that it only refers to a wedding where there was a possibility of consummating the marriage. But a chupa where there's no possibility of afterwards consummating the marriage, La, right? Like maybe that is not, then that type of chuppah doesn't have that type of chibah. Or maybe it doesn't make a difference. And so the Gemara basically concludes, Teku, they don't have a good answer for it. And so <clears throat> I think almost in a way, the Gemara here kind of recognizes by ending this passage with the Teku, like, okay, Rabin, Ravashi, you, we tried to be very clever and sort of pinpoint that exact moment when we would move from saying, okay, not only does he owe the regular ketubah, but he would even have to do the additional sum. And ultimately they say, we can't really pinpoint it, right? Like this, because they don't really resolve Robin's question either, right? We can't ultimately say, there isn't like an exact moment, but I think it does acknowledge that if you do get to the chuppah, something does change. There is a bond there, regardless of whether or not that marriage actually gets consummated. And I think in a way, the Gemara is like emotional about marriage in a way that we haven't seen them be emotional before. Like it recognizes sort of this emotional, we've talked about marriage, you know, especially in Yavamos, let's say, right? In very much in terms of just the sexual consummation piece of it, right? Because we know that like with Yibam, for example, 
that's all that really had to happen between the Yavim and the Yavama, right? The, the rabbis add an additional layer where there's Maymar, you know, where maybe they have to do something else so that it's not just sort of as, you know, coarse. It's just like, oh, you know, go into a room and have sex with each other. And then sure, now you, you completed the ceremony of Yibam. And here for the first time, we sort of see this like emotional component where they talk about the chibat chuppah, right? That there's something that happens just by making it to the chuppah itself that has nothing to do with the consummation of the sexual part of the relationship that maybe would obligate the husband, um, you know, to pay that additional sum. And I think that goes back to the discussion of intention itself, right? That somebody who promises this additional sum, it's really sort of an act of love in a certain way. It's wanting to take care of that person. And so, I don't know, I found this emotional piece here, um, besides, you know, this, you know, Gemara reasoning that ultimately they end with a teku, but there's underlying this discussion that ends with a teku, there's an emotional element about marriage that I don't think we've seen yet in Yavomot or Ketubot up until this point. I think it also is addressing the subjectivity aspect, right? We've that's this whole question of, you know, do you, how do you assess one's intent, which I think is part of the underlying discussion, not not really the bit that I read earlier, but from yesterday's daf, right? The idea that if you do this um objective practice, then that means it attests to your emotional state underneath it all. Your underlying like if we're going to assess for intent, it's part of, you know, do we say that everybody's going to be at the same point at the same time? And I think that this suggests that, you know, there's some wiggle room in that question. Maybe not in terms of actually determining what you put in the ketubah when, whatever, or when you would, when that would kick in. But I don't know. It still seems to me to be, uh, there's a reflection of something that is personal that is necessarily not going to be the same across the board for everybody. Right. And, and I think that's why, Ultimately, the Gemara lands on Teiku, right? Because the this chiba, like this intent, it's very difficult to understand, right? Like what the intention is, when does that intent place? It may be individual to people, like is chuppah enough? Does it have to be the sexual consummation piece of the marriage? And I think that's why it ends on a Teiku. They can't and really by the pinpoint way, the moment. It's a second Teiku that we've seen in not so many days, meaning... There's something about, you talked about, you know, how they're figuring out the halacha as they go, so to speak. Not literally as they go, but there's something about that where they have to say, like, take a, we, we don't have a conclusive answer here. We need to wait for Eliyahu and Avi to come and resolve it all. Um, and yet, again, marriage is a very practical, let's put this into practice kind, kind of thing. Takeus are interesting here. Oh, yes, I, I agree with that. Right. Like the fact that they we're not resolving and. I would even relate this back to the thing about Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Like, you know, the way, the way that they're so adamant about that it's the halacha doesn't follow him. Um, you know, again, I think we're seeing all of these things get discovered now. I think that's what happens with rabbinic law, right? Like, it's very, you have a pasuk, or maybe there's a machlokas between, you know, the tanaim, you know, what the source is in the Torah for a particular halacha, or some details about the halacha itself. This is the uh, other than we we did see later on the page. I just want to point out an Amud Bet. They do mention that according to Rabbi Meir, the Ketubah actually has a biblical source. But other than that opinion, the the, the way we basically explain Ketubah is is that it's really 
it's rabbinic. And so I think that's why there's so much, it allows for there to be a little bit more machlokas and a little bit less to be resolved because it's rabbinic in origin, except according to Rebbe Mayer. So just pay attention to that opinion on Amun Bet. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebbe Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.